current events program from a cultural perspective we find this program necessary because hosea 4 6 states my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge but we as a people will turn this around proverbs 4 7 states wisdom is the principal thing therefore get wisdom with all thy getting get an understanding again welcome to the program this evening with your host brother elliot and brother richard the number to reach us to get involved in the conversation this evening is 215-490-9832. Again, that's 215-490-9832. We're streaming live audio at several locations. You can go to timeforanawakening.com, which is the homepage and catch the live stream. At that location, you can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, that's www blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening and hear the live audio there you can go to abb2me.com that's a-b-i-b-i-t-u-n-y dot com forward slash time for an awakening they stream from Ghana or you can download the tune in radio app to any of your devices tune in is a free radio app in that tune in search engine just type in time for an awakening there you'll see the icon and you can stream the program live even into your car if you had a Bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection. Again, it's time for an Awakening Radio program with a live stream on the TuneIn app. Drop us an email at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Again, that's timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Time for an Awakening also has a fan page on Facebook. In that Facebook search engine, you can type in Time for an Awakening Radio program. There you always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or Brother Richard. And do me a favor, before you leave that page, just hit that like button. That's Time for an Awakening Radio Program. Hit the fan page on Facebook and Time for an Awakening Media is always there. Follow the latest podcasts of the various programs on Time for an Awakening Media. Interesting articles that you can read, download at later times and share with your friends. Also check out that Time for an Awakening Marketplace in our partnership with the bb 2 me Always interesting things in the marketplace all the time. Various African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health, and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So again, make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. That's timeforanawakening.com. Timeforanawakening.com will take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. It's 7.08 on this uh fall Sunday evening in the city of Philadelphia and we're in the Sunday edition the Sunday October 22nd edition of Time for an Awakening our guest this evening scheduled guest this evening in conversation author an international peace and justice scholar and professor of African American studies and political science at Syracuse University Professor Horace Campbell is scheduled to join us this evening the topics militarism on the African continent and the prospects for African unity. 
You can always be involved in the conversation by dialing 215-490-9832. Again, it's 215-490-9832. We'll be right back to get the program started after a brief word from our sponsors. Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and, and our enemies. Everybody is here. You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 215- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Overworked? Suffering with an underperforming company, headache customer, staff, or vendors? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? We turned a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one transformation created for entrepreneurs like you in various industries around the country. Not where you're used to from accounting and business consulting? Well, welcome to New Business Solutions. If you're ready to go beyond advising, coaching, and training and get implemented results, call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions apply the best comprehensive administrative accounting, operations, human resources, management, sales, and marketing to help you actualize your vision for yourself and your company. From anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072. Spelled new as in numerous on your device right now. Book your free consultation at newbusinesssolutions.com. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. 
History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go, what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. From antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening with your host, Brother Elliot. Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit us up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening, uh, 713, here in this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Before we get started with our program this evening, I want to welcome in my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African American Museum here in Philadelphia at 7th and Art Street. Brother Richard is with us. Brother Richard. Yes, sir, Brother Ellie. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. I'm I'm very much looking forward to the, um, the discussion with um, Professor Campbell around, you know, this whole thing of how we should be looking at Africa. I have to say, I don't have to say, but I want to say this, Elliot. This weekend I went to a symposium um, around Africatown, which was where the last ship of, of of Africans came into the Americas and they created their own town. And the, the thing that struck me is, to, you know, that was um, one of the presenters, because it was an architectural um, competition, the presenter said that Africatown is the only African settlement in America by Africans. Every other settlement is by African-Americans. That is that that struck me that 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 touched me in relationship to this other point as we talk about um, you know the whole militarization in in Africa, the point of do, uh, how do we um, African Americans or Africans in America how is are we you know being quote unquote of citizens of America have the understanding of the foreign policy that we have, not the foreign policy the United States have, the United States empire has towards Africa, but we as African-Americans, who, who especially those who look at ourselves as look at ourselves as a nation within a nation, see our foreign policy. So this conversation with um, um, Professor Campbell really helps um, continue to develop how we should see based off of what the American empire is doing um, in relationship to the continent of Africa. You know, it, it should be an interesting conversation, Richard. It kind of builds on some of the things that we've been talking about the past few months, uh, some of the things we'll be talking about moving forward because it'll be other people weighing in on this particular issue, uh, you know, bringing people back on the program, uh, people such as Maurice Carney, uh, Obi Bona Jr., uh, in fact, uh, when I spoke to Brother Obi a couple of weeks ago, he put me in touch with uh, several on-the-ground activists in Burkina Faso uh, that uh, we'll be talking to in the future in reference to this particular issue. Uh, it's an important issue. It's something that should be talked about in black uh, forums and especially by black media. Uh, it's it's kind of like a taboo subject. Popular black media don't really want to talk about it, or they'll talk about it in the perspective of a European view. And at this stage of our development, we don't need that. In fact, mm-hmm. that, that's I think that's part of the issue that's going on over there on the continent now. 
and it should be going on here more rapidly. But it is going on on both sides of the Atlantic, Richard. Yeah. Um, so it'll be an interesting discussion. Our guest this evening joining us in conversation, author, international peace and justice scholar, and professor of African-American studies and political science at Syracuse University, Professor Horace Campbell is with us. I think this is him. Professor Campbell, how are you, sir? Hello. Professor Campbell, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? I hear you loud and clear, sir. I'm glad to have you on Time for an Awakening with myself and Brother Richard. How you doing, Professor Campbell? Um, I'm well. How are you doing? <laughs> great, great, great. <laughs> Professor Campbell, before we kind of get started in the, the, the uh, meat and potatoes of the issue that we want to discuss this evening, uh, militarism on the African continent and the prospects of African unity. Uh, let me do a little uh, uh, assessment as far as my limited knowledge of the, the situation, and and we need you to kind of expand on this. Uh, it, it, to me, if, if you look at the Berlin conferences of 1884 and 85, it was a modernization, so to speak, by the European continent and America at the time that I think had the interest in the Congo, uh, a collaboration of of uh, European and American allies coming together to form how they were going to deal politically on the African continent to extract resources. But it needed some type of political stabilization which led to what we've seen afterwards. During the 1960s, you had freedom struggles going on on the continent. And it's kind of interesting what you had going on here, but we'll discuss that in our conversation. You have freedom struggles going on on the continent, Kwame Nkrumah, uh, Yomo Kenyatta, Patrice Lumumba, and others that were involved in these freedom struggles. I think that led the U.S. and European allies to reassess how they wanted to deal on the continent politically. In the late 1900s, uh, the late uh, 2000s, uh, the late 1900s, I'm sorry, and early 2000s, we see the invention and the implementation of AFRICOM. And I guess that's their modern form of colonization and political control on the continent. But we see now that things are going on on the continent now that's more of a disruption to not only uh, European influence, but Western influence together. But it, it leads to the initial topic of our discussion tonight, which is the uh, militarization on the African continent. Uh, Professor Campbell, my uh, limited knowledge assessment of the situation, talk about it from your perspective and talk about how the militarization of the continent has led to strengthening what the European uh, uh, or Western domination thought that they were going to have on the continent. Well, thank you for having me. But um, from the outset, I would think we would have a different starting point. Go ahead. Uh, you take it from where you would. I'm just throwing it out there, sir. Go ahead. Uh, because um, the rendition you gave would need a bit more precision. Good in relationship to the relative strength of different imperialist powers at particular moments in history. All right. So for 
for example, if we speak about the imperialist partitioning of Africa in 1884, the United States was too weak militarily, politically, and economically to be a player at the 1884 conference. It was a conference that was called Partitioned Africa because the Europeans did not want to kill each other in fighting and squabbling over Africa. I would recommend to your audience that there's a very important book by Walter Rodney <laughs> called How Europe Underdeveloped Africa, <laughs> yes. which will enlighten your listeners as to the phases of colonialism. The second point is that at the end of World War II, the European powers were severely weakened and the World War II created a major change in the world economy. First, it strengthened the United States of America. Second, it led to the rise of the socialist camp. Third, it led to the rise and independence of India and Pakistan. Fourth, the consolidation of the Chinese Communist Party and the Chinese Revolution. And fifth, African independence. Now, the phase we are in in the 21st century is a phase where the African peoples have won major victories, and because of those major victories, they've led to the weakening of imperialists. And the weakening of imperialists means that they have to develop new tactics. I want to mention one of the most important victories of the African peoples that is not being usually described and, and, and discussed. That is the military defeat of the apartheid army at Kut Konavale in 1987 and 88, when the Cubans, Angolans, and Africans, Namibians, and South Africans defeated the apartheid army. I believe that when we speak about Western militarism, we have to put it in the context of where they were defeated by Africans. And at the present moment, since 2000, what I want to discuss tonight are the sequences of militarism that have come out of the Western European attempt to spread militarism in Africa, which they've, they've, they've been doing this through lies and destruction in the Congo for 60 years, but in the past 20 years in Somalia, in, the, um, in Sudan, and in West Africa, in the Sahel. And I thought you invited me tonight to discuss the Sahel because yes. we have a major victory of the people in the Sahel where they have now removed France from three countries in Africa, in Mali, Burkina Faso, and Niger, and they've created the alliance of Sahel states. This alliance of Sahel states is a security and military alliance which has now paved the way for the removal of France from Africa. So this would be our starting point in discussing militarism, to give the agencies of the African people in securing their independence and why our task on this side of the world is to be up to date on the struggles for African independence and consolidating their, um, their economies. Yeah, Professor Campbell, talk about some of those, um, because what you just said is very important. I wasn't aware of that uh, the military victory that you discussed 
or, or, well, or, that is the point. Go ahead. That is the point about our intervention because the West presents the ending of apartheid as a gift coming out of negotiations between the United States and um, South Africa and not understanding the sacrifices of the Cuban people, the Angolan people, and that was a decisive military defeat. And so they've been trying to change the narrative with failed states, war and terror and poverty and ignorance and governance. And some of our talk hosts and some of our universities fall into that trap. (laughs) And so I will not start a discussion on Africa with your audience without laying it out that the victories that we are seeing by the African peoples, and we've seen it most recently in Mali, Burkina Faso, and Niger, three of the poorest countries in the world that have registered the biggest blow on French imperialism in Africa since Toussaint Louverture defeated the French in Haiti. I don't think people understand the magnitude of what has taken place in those three countries. So that would be my starting point for the discussion tonight. Richard, I want you to jump in here because what Professor Campbell just laid out, Richard, shows clearly that our people, if they unify on the continent or here, that we can do anything that is necessary and anything we have to do, Richard. Yeah, you know, and 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 Professor Campbell, I really appreciate you um, really making sure that we're orientated correctly about yes, um, you know, the consciousness of victory. Um, and and the question that comes to my mind, hopefully for you to continue to expand, is what I heard and listening to the speech of the uh, representative from Burkina Faso at the UN. Um, was he, uh, if if I'm correct? Was he um, stating clearly that this alliance of Mali and Niger, um, you know, was um, a a, a solidifying their commitment to be able to hold off any Western influence or to at least delink from the Western influence in in that in that region? Well, well, I I'm glad you made reference to. Burkina Faso, because many of your audience may not have heard of Thomas Sankara, who was one of the great revolutionaries of Africa, who was killed by the imperialist elements in Burkina Faso and in in Cote d'Ivoire in twenty in nineteen eighty seven. So the Burkina Faso's leadership is carry on the traditions of Thomas Sankara. And I would, I would dare say, it, of the three countries, it is the most radical in terms mm. of their orientation and organizing the people. So the speech of the government of Burkina Faso to the General Assembly of the United Nations is something that your listeners could get a hold of. Similarly, the speech of the representative of Mali at the General Assembly, and you can call the Malian Embassy at the UN in New York and get a copy of the speech in French and in English because there they will spell out the criminal acts of France that were being done in Mali in the name of fighting terrorism. So let me begin my um, overview of how we got to where we are by speaking about the sequences of militarism in this region. I want to start with 
what happened after the military defeat of the South Africans at Kutukonovale. After the military defeat of the South African apartheid army at Kutukonovale, the United States came to Africa with something called the Africa Crisis Response Initiative. Mm. And then they came with something called ACOTA, the Afri- Africa Center on Training Against um, Counterterrorism. Now, both of these initiatives were intensified after 2001 when the World Conference Against Racism took place in Durban. Mm. The World Conference Against Racism in Durban was another victory for global Africa because all of the African people came together from the Caribbean, from Europe, from North America, and from South America, placing the question of reparative justice on the table. It was after that, in 2000, that the United States intensified their relationship with African governments in Mali, in Algeria, in what they call the war on terror. And I want to go through nine sequences of the war on terror. And I want to quickly dispense with the first two sequences of the war on terror that started in 2002. The first sequence was the kidnapping of European tourists in the Sahel in 2002. The second was a false flag operation in Mali, planning for the United States Africa Command, when the United States created what they called the Pan-Sahel Counter-Terror Initiative. This was exaggerating the threats of terrorism in Africa, where the question of anti-social elements who have been used to smuggling across the the Sahara for a hundred years or more. Their relationship with the countries of Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates, the United States fabricated the idea that we had Al-Qaeda and terrorism in the Sahel in order to legitimize the creation of the United States Africa Command. Now, this is the third sequence of militarism, which involves African people in the United States because it requires mobilizing African people in the United States and black people who served in the U.S. military to say we are here to protect brothers and sisters in Africa from fighting mm. terror. Ooh. Now, the fourth, the fourth sequence that I want to mention, which is the, the platform for what's happening now, is the Western NATO destruction of Libya. The NATO destruction of Libya which was instigated by France and Britain and involved the United States and Western European countries, destroyed the country that was going to lay out its resources for building the African currency, African monetary system, and the African Central Bank. The destruction of Libya, bombing their water transfer system and destroying the country and the United States fighting from the east and fighting from the west, dividing the country in two, killing over 50,000 people, was the fourth sequence of militarism, which laid the foundation for other sequences. Now, I've written a book about this called Global NATO and the Catastrophic Failure in Libya. Now, many Pan-Africanists have not been able to rally to the side of the Libyan people because there are confusions in some of the heads of Pan-Africanists about dividing Africa between Sub-Saharan Africa and North Africa. But that's something we can get into because when I was a Kwame Nkrumah chair at the Institute of African Studies at the University of Ghana, we had this battle from time to time that we're playing in the hands of imperialists by trying to divide Africa. But the, the in 
inability of the progressive forces in North America among the Pan-Africanists to rally to the people of Libya stems from the confusion in the ranks of Pan-Africanists. But this fourth sequence of fabricating lies to destroy Libya laid the foundation for the fifth sequence, which is when France had elements who were from the Tuareg people in the army of Libya. They armed them, had them go into Mali, and then France turned around to go to the United, um, and the United Nations to say, we're fighting terrorism. So this fifth sequence of militarism is what we call Operation Serval and Operation Barkhan, where France mobilized African countries, five countries, Mauritania, Mali, Burkina Faso, Niger, and Chad to say they're fighting terrorism. Now, this sixth sequence was where France mobilized the United States of America on its side to say it was fighting terrorism in Africa. And, in fact, now that the people of Mali have thrown out France out of Mali, they are telling the world about the actions that France was doing, that there was actually an intensification of um, terrorist activities or anti-people activities in Mali while France was there. And France had the United Nations come in. Now, there's a story I want all of your listeners to hear very clearly, which comes to the seventh sequence. Is the story of the killing of four American Marines in Niger in 2017 because France had gone to the United Nations to ask the United Nations for financial support for its Operation Barkhane. The United States refused to give them support to say, you've already got money from the, the United Nations. This was happening in July in the Security Council. In October, these four Marines were killed. And when these four Marines were killed, a month later, the United Nations changed its position to give support for um, for France to have more money for Operation Barkhane. Now, most of your listeners don't know the insults to um, uh, Sergeant um, David Johnson, who was killed, a black man who President Trump insulted his mother and the black congresswoman from, 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 from Florida when they were killed. But the operations of the United States in Niger brought to the citizens of the United States the fact that the United States was collaborating with France in fabricating terrorism in Niger. Now, I want to pause here for a second so your audience understand what is so important about Niger. Niger is one of the poorest countries in the world, but Niger is not a poor country in terms of resources. Niger has uranium, it has oil, it has um, gold, and so what has happened in, your, in, in Niger is that France was plundering the society. The French were taking the uranium out of Niger and paying the people less than 13%. The, 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 um, 
I, I, I will give you the figures here um, in terms of of, of Niger, because it's important that your your listeners understand what France was doing. So, according to an author, Mahaman Gawa, Niger exported uranium worth 3.5 billion euro to France in 2010, but only received 459 million euros in return. In other words, they received 13% of the exported value. In other words, the uranium that was going to, from, from Niger to France, where France was highly dependent on uranium for its nuclear power plant, 70% of the electricity in France comes from Niger uranium. They were taken out for nothing. So the French military in Niger was defending the, new, the, the, the exploitation of the uranium mining by the French company, Ureva. And the French companies there were exploiting the people of, of Niger, not only exploiting them, but the conditions in the mine were not good for the working people of Niger. And that is why when we come to the the, the eighth sequence, that is the fate of coup d'etat that has been taking place, that we do not support military coups in Africa, but we cannot condemn a military coup when you have civilian government have militarized the constitutional process, when the constitutional dictatorship in these countries prevent the people from having actual participation in the political process, as we've seen in all of these countries, Mali, Niger, Burkina Faso, Chad, um, Guinea, and, and especially what we are seeing in um, Senegal at the moment, one that is about to explode because the French are very nervous about what's taking place. So these sequences that we've seen, the, the seventh sequence was the explosion in in in, in, in Niger after the killing of the Americans. And now we have the eighth sequence, which is the state of military coups in Niger, in, in Guinea, Mali, Niger, Burkina Faso, and then we have this coup in Gabon. It's important to explain to your listeners that we distinguish the coup in Gabon because we believe the coup in Gabon is a French-inspired coup to keep the French puppets in place there. So what we have now is the ninth sequence where the peoples of Mali, Burkina Faso, and Niger have successfully removed the French from their country. And they're about to set up the, the conditions so that they can finally deal with France in Africa. Now, France, as some of your listeners know, is the number one exploiter of the African people. France, I can tell you, they, the French have um, a system of exploitation that, that the, 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 the French said that they were fighting in Libya to save the euro. Why? Because they have something called the CFA, which is the French currency, where there are 14 countries in Africa that are tied to this French currency. And they do not have control over their resources in these countries in Africa. 
the central bank of these countries are controlled by France and the reserves are held by France. The second aspect of France's uh, control over these countries is the control over the natural resources, oil, natural gas, uranium, manganese, and to control these resources, the French use the deployment of French troops and military equipment and then to turn around to fabricate terrorism, to coerce the people to set a fighting terrorism. Then we have the French companies, the French banks, three of the French biggest banks in, um, in, in, in France are operating in, um, in Africa. Then we have the French telecommunications company, French railroad, French harbors company, French construction company. So when we speak about the French imperialism and militarism in Africa, we're speaking about a robust system of plunder and destruction. And what our listeners need to understand as we have reached a stage where there's a new awakening and what we are about to see is this spreading to Chad and other countries in Africa. So I want us to understand that something very dynamic is happening in Africa at the moment. Richard, let me, Richard, because um, I know that you probably want to ask a follow-up. Let, let, me, let, me, let me say, let me ask uh, Professor Campbell this. Professor Campbell, I want you to go back to, because you mentioned, I, I want to ask something about the four sequence you mentioned about the destruction of Libya. But you, you, you kind of built it up when you talked about the, the uh, first second, when you talked about the, the kidnapping and the, the false flags uh, about uh, uh, terrorists in Mali, which led up to what happened in Libya and the killing of Muammar Gaddafi and the uh, destabilization of that whole government there, uh, which led to France coming in under the guise of being peacekeepers, I guess, or, or whatever, and going into other countries. But you mentioned, and, and I, I really want you to drive this home because I'm going to mention other topics in relation to this because all of this is related. When you mentioned about the use of the black troops here in the United States uh, as far as being able to go into Africa and, and to uh, give them the impression that they're helping to assist their country— Go over that again before I pass that mic back to Richard, because Richard had a follow-up to what he had said. But I want you to kind of reinforce what happened in Libya and the the false flag of, of the use of the black troops here in the United States. Well, the, the, the Libyan question is urgent because a month ago there was flooding in Libya, uh, less than a month ago, and more than 10,000 people were killed in Derna which was a place where the United States recruited anti-social elements to overthrow Gaddafi and recruited them to fight in Afghanistan. Since the overthrow of Gaddafi, the United States, Britain, France, Canada, have been holding $100 billion of the reserves of of Libya on the sanctions. And they refuse to lift the sanctions. They allow some money to go into the billionaires who they keep in power to stop the reconstruction of Libya. (laughs) And so the floods took place in Libya because the corrupt leaders in the East, that's a man called General Haftar, 
who was a CIA asset, and the New York Times and other media has said so. He was brought from Virginia to go back to be part of the destabilization of Libya. So that part is something that I would urge your listeners to follow up and to call for the United Nations to set in process the the demilitarization of Libya, and there is a process at hand for the reconstruction of Libya, but it involves the removal of foreign military personnel, whether they're from Qatar or Turkey or Egypt or France or the United States or Israel. They rem- and, and being literate about what's happening in Africa is one of the requirements because there are no voices in black America calling for the stabilization of Libya. The yes. United States believe that they can get away with it. So that point I want to underline. Wow. The second point you asked was about the black troops in the in in fighting on the war on terror. It's a very delicate issue because those who are following the political situation in the United States of America understand the rise of neo fascism and racism. And in the Racism in the military, the United States has elevated two black men to be the head of the military. One, the chairman of the Joint Chief of Staff, which is General Charles Brown, and the other, who is the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Lloyd Austin. Mm -hmm. Now, both of these uh, are supposed to keep the lid on racism in the military and also to prepare black people that they should fight against China. And so the anti-China rhetoric is growing in the military. But in Mali, we had a situation in 2018 where a black Marine was killed by other Marines. In other words, the racism that we've seen at Fort Bragg and at other military facilities like Fort Drum that is so rampant in the military that you have so many investigations about it. It happens in Africa. It happened in Kenya. It happened in um, Ethiopia, and it's happened in 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 Mali. So the, the the delicacy of the racism in the military has led them to um, have investigations about the the races in the military. But it it will not go away because the racist elements that are follow those elements who are followers of what is called MAGA, Make America Great Again. Mm-hmm. They're an important faction of the U.S. military. Mm. Listen, uh, <clears throat> let me tell you this. The, the classroom is open, brothers and sisters. Any questions that you want to have in relation to this, 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 what's going on on the continent, you can get involved in the conversation this evening because you're not going to hear this on other medias, and especially some black media, sad to say. Our guest this evening, author, international peace and justice scholar, and professor of African-American studies and political science at Syracuse University, Professor Horace Campbell, is joining us in conversation. You can get involved with a question or comment about the continent in relation to what's going on here. He just talked about it by dialing 215-490-9832. Richard, I'm going to go back to you because he just laid it out, Richard, about the, the black face on this. We talked about it from our limited intelligence on this issue, Richard. But you just heard Professor Campbell talk about the reason that the United States put these two men that look like me and you in this position that they're in. And we can't overlook a Langley. Isn't Langley over the uh, Africa? Africa? Yes. Precisely. Yeah, Precisely. So- 
But you know, I have to um, say with, with this, the the the, the emphasizing. The fascist, and, and I'm glad you, because that was where, where I see, matter of fact, I see this moment, um, just like the moment in, 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 um, 1923, um, when Italy came into, you know, um, its fascist positioning. But the, as you mentioned, Burkina Faso, Niger, um, and Mali, um, creating this alliance and securing their position against, and I have to emphasize the young people um, being in support of of throwing out the French. Um, do you see any backlash from United States or NATO in either securing France in some kind of way? Because it seems like that was another scenario that has happened before where France got pushed out. No, no. no. This, this is the end of France, and I want you to pay very close attention to what's going to happen in other countries, such as Congo, Brazzaville, um, Gabon, and other countries. This is the end of France. Not only that, but the United States is playing a very delicate game. If you notice that after France um, was thrown out of Burkina Faso. The United States went in to say, oh, well, we can discuss with Burkina Faso. So the United States is negotiating um, military agreements with Burkina Faso at the expense of France. Similarly, in Niger, that on September 11th, when the president of France made a speech that he will never leave, he would never leave Niger, he was speaking to the United States because he wanted the United States to declare it was a coup d'etat and so that the United States would not deliver financial aid to um, the government of Niger. Well, what we do know now from the United States Air Force magazine is that the United States have been negotiating for them to continue operating in Niger. And more importantly, although... In the last week of September, the, the week of the 24th of September, the United States declared that the, what took place in Niger was a military coup. We know that the United States is working very hard to control the uranium of Niger in order to control France. I think people have to understand what's going on. The United States is fighting a war in Ukraine against Germany. So Germany would be dependent on the U.S. oil and gas because German manufacturing and Russian oil and gas would make Russia and Germany a formidable economic industrial force in the world. The United States is now using this military development in Niger against France, and we must pay very close attention to that. <laughs> and, and let me – and I'm and, – and... Um, Professor Campbell, so I'm, I'm uh, asking these, you know, questions or really just putting out symbols so that you can help me and help us, you know, um, put it in really um, realistic, you know, re um, geopolitical understanding as it relates to, as you said, and I think it's important, the agency of African people in their own victories. Um, I'm, I'm the As this here at the state level is going on, um, one thing I keep seeing that the, in the United States um, strategy, they're 
concerned or what they're looking at is the young population within the continent of Africa, especially in those countries that you mentioned. Um, where do they play as far as in your analysis um, in relationship to these deals that United States and this delicate balance is playing? How are the young people um, in those countries seeing United States um, as they make these deals with the, um, you know, in this, in these nation states itself? The young people in Africa are very, very savvy. First of all, the young people in Africa, they look with great, great care and love for their brothers and sisters in the United States of America. Mm. So Pan-Africanism is alive among the young people. <laughs> and so the, the, the media and social media is attempting confusion, and we see this confusion now in the social media around what's happening in Palestine and the attempt to carry out massive killing of the Palestinian people. Mm-hmm. And the African people, the African youth, are very clear about this. I want to bring to your attention one other aspect of this militarism that um, is not usually discussed, and that is the successful revolution that took place in the Sudan, where the Sudan removed the Bashir military government. And there was a military coup by the military after the people removed Bashir. There was an agreement that there would be a three-year transition period and after 18 months, the civilians would take over. Now, in October 21st, 2021, when the civilians should take over, the military intervened to stop the transition. Now, everyone is talking about military coup in Mali, Niger, and Burkina Faso. They're not talking about the military in Sudan because that military is supported by the United States, United Arab Emirates, mm and by Saudi Arabia. And they were financing them to plunder the gold of the Sudan. This is a revolution that many Pan-Africanists need to pay closer attention to. And this is going to erupt even more when the revolution breaks out in Egypt because the alliance of Egypt and Israel against the Palestinian people. So these military repressive forces are all interrelated. So the youth of Africa who are linked to the youth of Palestine needs to be linked to the youth of um, black America and the Black Lives Matter movement. You know, I, I have Richard, to say this. Richard, uh, Richard, I, yeah. Richard. I, mm. Whoa. Whoa. Mm. Go ahead. No, the, the reason why, um, I, you know, you don't know how much it um, warms my heart, um, Professor Campbell, for what you're saying, but it also concerns me. And I don't know, I only have a small window in hearing um, the voices in, quote unquote, black America, especially on these um, social media uh, platforms, because it's obvious compared to what you're stating um, in relationship to pan-Africanism in relationship to the young people on the continent in those countries being clear uh, and, and having a, a pan-Africanist view and, and having and wanting and needing a relationship with those here in North America. Um, because on these social media platforms, I'm hearing this anti-Africa positioning. And, and that concerns me 
from the analysis that you give. Now, it may in relationship to the Pan-Africanists, it may not be, but right well, now... Let, 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 let me say this, mm-hmm. that um, this anti-African view that you're hearing in the United States, yes, it's not coming spontaneous. It's, you know, um, most people in America, black people, the poor black worker in New Jersey, in uh, Newark, um, in Elizabeth City, these poor black workers, they live beside African immigrants. They live beside Nigerian immigrants. Mm-hmm. They do the same working class jobs. The black middle class and the Republican Party have embarked on a major program of divisiveness in the African-American community by developing a discussion called lineage in relationship to reparations and reparations claim. First, they are turning reparations to something about money. Secondly, the the, the Republican Party, and it's now um, documented, were behind this formation called ADOS, which has been at the forefront of promoting these divisions between African-Americans and Africans. And it is for the progressive Pan-Africanists to expose ADOS and their links with the Republican Party and the conservative elements. And they have been so successful that they've gotten this language of lineage into the bill in California about reparations. But I think to go into that discussion would take us away from Mm -hmm. the exciting things that's going on in Niger. And I think we need to follow through with that before we touch on that subject. Oh, yeah, and I I agree. And I I appreciate you um, doing that. And I appreciate you more also, not more, also because we, in in the different analysis, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Elliot, one, um, it's this social class within black America, um, there seems to be an, an agreement that there is a difference of, of, of positioning, policy. But, 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 but let us take the social classes in America that doesn't agree with that. Let's take the, 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 the leader of the working people who said he came from being a pimp and a hustler, Malcolm X. Malcolm X's mother was from Grenada. His father was killed by the KKK. I'm saying the people who are pushing this depend on ignorance on the black community. Stoker Carmichael, you know, even Farrakhan, you know, the historic linkages between African-Americans, Africans, and African-Caribbean goes back to the struggle of the people of Haiti fighting for liberation and them sending political support to black people in America so it could um, inspire them in the Civil War. And that those alliances that we saw from Haiti to the Garvey movement, to the Civil Rights Movement, to the Black Lives Matter movement, the right wing depend on ignorance in the black community that they want young black people to turn against Malcolm X and Malcolm mm-hmm. X's mother, who is from Grenada. Yes. Oh, boy, our people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Uh, our guest this evening, author, international peace and justice scholar and professor of African-American studies and political science at Syracuse University, Professor Horace Campbell, is with us in conversation. Militarism on the African continent and the prospects of African unity is the topics for discussion this evening. 
You can join the conversation, too, by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Professor Campbell, I want you to stay with us. We'll be right back after this break. Brother Richard, on time for an awakening media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. the digital plantation. Abibitumi.com, abibitumi.tv, abibitumitv.com, abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger, run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. Black Power. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your global you black family, to join your interconnected you black communities, Escape the digital plantation now. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumitv.com, Abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation. A new era, a new phase of the struggle where we have moved from a struggle for decency, which characterized our struggle for 10 or 12 years, to a struggle for genuine equality. And this is where we are getting the resistance because there was never any intention uh, to go this far. People were reacting to Bull Connor and to Jim Clark rather than acting in good faith for the realization of genuine equality. Do you think white people in this country, and I'm talking about 
non-segregationists, people devoid or thinking they're devoid of racism. Do you have any idea of what they want the Negro to be in America? I think the vast majority of white Americans uh, will go but so far. It's a kind of installment plan for equality. And uh, they are always looking for an excuse uh, to go but so far. And know that this problem needs to be solved and we can't keep relegating it to generation after generation because a few of us got a little money, a few of us got positions, a few of us have wealth while the masses of our people are going steadily down. No one man can rise above the condition of his people. See, brother said responsibility. Is it, is it that we should let them take responsibility to do for us, or should we pool the knowledge that's at the table, the power that's in our community, the wealth that's in our community to change the harsh reality of black life in America? We have to do the job of fulfilling the black agenda. Whites are expert game players in their contests to maintain absolute power. One of their time-honored gimmicks is to point to individual blacks who've achieved recognition. But look at Raph Bunch. Think about Lena Horne or Marian Anderson. Look at Jackie Robinson. They made it as one of those who has made it. I would like to be thought of as an inspiration to our young but I don't want them lied to. Name them for me. The examples of blacks who made it. For virtually everyone you name, I can give you a sordid piece of factual information on how they have been mistreated, humiliated. Not being able to fight back is a form of severe punishment. I come here tonight and plead with you. Believe in yourself and believe that you're somebody. As I said to the group last night, nobody else can do this for us. No document can do this for us. No Lincolnian Emancipation Proclamation can do this for us. No Kennesonian or Johnsonian Civil Rights Bill can do this for us. If the Negro is to be free, he must move down into the inner resources of his own soul and sign with a pen and ink of self-assertive manhood his own emancipation proclamation. Don't let anybody take your manhood. Born Awakening is a proud part of the Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black digital and podcasting platform. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening, a Sunday edition. Our guest this evening in conversation, author, international peace and justice scholar, and professor of African-American studies and political science at Syracuse University, Professor Horace Campbell. 
You can get involved in the conversation also by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Militarism, militarism on the African continent and the prospects for African unity is the topics of discussion this evening. Uh, Richard and Professor Campbell, you know, you just, in our conversation in that first hour, you laid out several points and nine different sequences where we need to look at this and have a different perspective other than a Western perspective. We see that here in this country, they used jazz ambassadors, Richard, uh, I think in the late 50s, early 60s, to go onto the African continent to use the use of music, uh, which is it's, uh, cultural to a degree, to reach our people on both sides of the shore to kind of bring them in to a Western way of thinking. Now, some of the men that that was involved in it, they didn't realize it at the time. Well, you see the same strategy being used now. We talked about it on the program with the use of hip-hop artists, uh, 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 young black actors, to go onto the continent and spread this type of capitalism, Western type of thinking. But according to Professor Campbell, somebody who te- taught in universities on the continent and teaches here that the overwhelming mentality of black youth on the continent is a pan-African mindset. So we can see right from that point that it's totally different from the information that we've been receiving from Western sources. That's why I feel as though it's important, Richard, to bring men such as Professor Campbell and others that we've had on this program on to give our people a real perspective of what's going on because they're not going to hear it on the golden, the bald, the black eagle. They're not going to hear it on Sharpton. And I'm not trying to stroke this program because there's other programs. And you might hear a host on one of the other programs come on tonight. There's other programs that have that are putting out the truth to our people so they can weigh it in the marketplace of ideas. But I think it's important that these things are discussed in this fashion. Uh, Professor Campbell, before I pass it back over to Brother Richard, because I didn't know whether he was finished with his uh, his train of thought on questioning. Let me let me go back a little bit and then we'll come back. We'll kind of speed it back up because I got questions on uh, the knife sequence here and what's going on. But let me go back to the early 60s and the freedom struggles that was going on here in the United States and the freedom struggles by some of the the names you mentioned earlier, uh, Nkrumah, Patrice Lumumba, and others that was going on in the continent. I don't think it was a coincidence that these things were going on simultaneously or maybe one started before another. It, It really doesn't matter. That mindset was going on simultaneously. Talk about that from your perspective as a a scholar and what was going on among our people. Well, we use the term conjuncture. Conjuncture means that at a certain moment in human history, a number of events, political, economic, social, environmental, come together. And after World War II, we were at a certain point where the the diminution of the European powers, Britain and France and Portugal and Spain, um, came with the rise of the United States, but more importantly, the rise of the socialist camp. And Africans who had fought in World War II for freedom in Europe went back to their countries and were fighting for freedom. And those freedom struggles um, culminated in African independence. I'm glad you played the speech by Martin Luther King 
because many people do not know that Martin Cooking was a great Pan-Africanist. Um, I would urge your listeners to li- listen to the speech of Martin Luther King when he came back from the independence of Ghana, and he preached a sermon um, called The Birth of a Nation. Mm-hmm. And in that sermon, Martin Luther King laid out the Pan-African linkages between African people in the United States and African people in Africa. And many people do not know that Malcolm X was also a preeminent Pan-Africanist who said, if you do not know what's going on in the Congo, you will not know what's going on in Mississippi. And the organization of African-American unity that Malcolm X created was one that was working with Che Guevara and Mohammed Abdul Rahman Babu to go to the Congo to fight to throw out the French in the United States. In fact, in November 1964, when Malcolm X and Babu and Che Guevara had that meeting, they, uh, Malcolm X was killed four months after that meeting when they arranged to go to fight in the Congo. Che Guevara went into the Congo was organized by Babu. So there's there's so much in the history that anyone who's listening who teaches in Black Studies program in your area, they need to bring this information to our young people because the, the relationship between the African Liberation Support Committee, African Americans who raise funds to support those fighting against apartheid in and colonialism in Angola, Zimbabwe, Namibia, Mozambique, and South Africa. These are all aspects of the African liberation, um, which is part of our history. You see, every society reached back into their history to draw ideas that will inspire them. Yes. If you look in Europe, they reach back to the greatness of Europe. If you look in America, they look back to what they call the founding fathers. What we can do Everyone we look back to are people who inspire us for fighting. Bookman Dutty, who was the leader of the masses in Haiti. Tusin Levator, David Walker, Harriet Tubman, Sojourner Truth, Marcus Garvey, Queen Mother Moore. In other words, every period you look back in black history in the United States, the overwhelming evidence comes from those who inspire us for freedom. So black people in the United States have nowhere to go in terms of looking for models for human dignity and decency. We cannot go to Abraham Lincoln. We cannot go to George Washington. So we have a rich history. Now, the point is for our young people to be confused about who they are. And the confusion is being driven by those who want to divide Africa. Yes. In the Sudan, the Sudanese revolution, which is the most potent revolutionary force on the African continent today. I went into the Sudan. I had long discussions with the brothers and sisters there. They are devout and clear Pan-Africanists. But there are some people in the global Pan-African movement who do not want to consider Sudan and Egypt as part of global Africa. And so this confusion comes from some people who call themselves Pan-Africanists. But in every period, we can only go forward and we will win out of the most progressive forces in South Africa. When they were fighting against apartheid, they created Inkata, they created the the, the, what they call the Bantustans, but the forces that were fighting for freedom, they persevered 
along with the support of Tanzania, Cuba, and Angola. And I think the same thing must be done here. Those who have their eyes on decently, we cannot support the slaughter that's going on against the Palestinian people. So Pan-Africanists must be in solidarity with the Palestinian people, just as though the Palestinian people supported the Africans in their struggles against apartheid. The last point I want to make about um, being on top of things. Uh, New Jersey is a state where we've had um, representatives in Congress who want to put the squeeze on Cuba. We had something called the Torricella Bill to intensify the the noose around the neck of the Cubans. And mm. we have a senator in Cuba, in, 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 in New Jersey, called Menendez, who are the foremost elements trying to squeeze the majority of the Cuban people. So the Cuban people made sacrifices for African liberation. They want to turn black people in America against them. Two weeks ago, when we had the United Nations, the daughter of Malcolm X welcomed the president of Cuba into Harlem, just as how Malcolm X welcomed Fidel Castro into Harlem in 1960. So the, the lessons about solidarity with Sudan, with Egypt, with South Africa, with Cuba, these are lessons that we need to be teaching our young people so that from the beginning, and with the beginning we call the Haitian Revolution, up to the struggles in the Civil War, the Pan-African movement, the black struggles in this country, it's always been international. Richard, uh, before before you uh, ask your question and I go to these calls, let me, let me, I just want to read something in relation to what Professor Campbell has been talking about on the program. And because, uh, you know, we've stated it in other programs that we've had and it, it's, 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 uh, it's common knowledge. People can find it out. But let me share this here, Richard. Uh, Africa has the youngest population in the world. The 25 uh, countries with the lowest median age population is in Africa. 25 of the world's uh, countries with the lowest population. And also the countries with the lowest median age worldwide. In 2023, the median age in Niger which has a population of over 30 million, is 15 years old. Mm. That's the median age, 15. And Burkina Faso, according to Professor Campbell, which is the most uh, pan-Africanist country that he said is on the continent, their median age is 17 years old. So you see that the, the Western powers really wants to influence these young minds on the continent, but they're not going to be successful. They're not going to be successful. Go ahead. I want to pass it over to you. Then I'm going to go to some of these calls. That's all. That's all. I wanted to touch on um, Professor Campbell. You know, the part of the unification of the continent, and 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 taking the point because I wanted to get your feedback for a point of clarity of as this we're looking at the militarization and understanding the liberation movements. Uh, and, and positioning, say, again, of Mali, Burkina Faso, Niger, and, and the, um, including possibly Chad. Um, and it, it's the, the, what I've seen in the past when we're talking about the OAU, that there was a split um, amongst nation states in relationship to this unification. Um, as you see it from your vantage point, is this split still 
a major um, concern as these young um, populations within these, uh, um, you know, progressive uh, liberating nation states on in West Africa? Is this uh, this split between those who want to create a unified um, continental Africa under its own right compared to a unified, militarized continental Africa um, with Western influence like United States and, and the extraction of resources? I think one of the things we must do is to be up to date on what's happening in Africa. Hmm. Things that you're talking about is six years old. Let's look at the plans for the unification of Africa now. I would urge you to read my book, Global NATO and the Catastrophic Failure in Libya. In 2007, there was a meeting of the African Union in Ghana. It was agreed then to set up the African currency, the unification of the African currency, African Central Bank. Gaddafi of Libya decided to put all of his money behind the unification of the African currency. An African currency is a threat to the United States, to France, to Britain, to China. And all of them, United States, Britain, France, China, Japan, Russia, they're all against the unification where African people use their resources to back up their currency. <laughs> One of the exciting things about this union between Mali, Burkina Faso, Niger, is that they are now discussing a unified central bank and a unified currency because they're breaking with the, 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 um, the French franc. The second is about the electrification of Africa. The third is about African satellites for communication. All of those youths are tech savvy, and we want to have satellite systems that unify Africa. We don't need five or six different satellites. We need a satellite system that's controlled by Africa. And the last one that I want to talk about is what I've been working on with the Lake Chad Basin Commission is the unification of Africa, building canals, and water transfer system. We are working on a major water transfer system from the Congo to Lake Chad to unify the waters of the Congo with the waters of the aquifers. So the, the kind of unity we're talking about, leaders, we're talking something much more fundamental which will transform Africa and change the conditions of the ground for African people. And the first thing the NATO did when they bombed Libya was to bomb the factory that was producing the pipes for the man-made river. Gaddafi had already supported the idea of that water transfer system. All of the French researchers say, well, we cannot have that water transfer from the Congo to Lake Chad, which would be a major transfer system. Anyone who knows the history of the United States of America know that the building of the canal, the Erie Canal, from Erie, Pennsylvania, to Albany transformed the United States of America. It created New York City. And so they mm. know the importance of canal systems. So what I'm saying to you is that in the reconstruction of Africa, the discussion has gone beyond leaders. They're talking about systems of electrification, ports, harbors, and all those systems that turns the resources of Africa into strengthening the African peoples. Thank you. Wow. Uh, let, let, let's go. Let me get a, grab a couple of these calls, Richard, and then we'll come back uh, to you. Mm -hmm. 647 in Toronto. 647. Uh, can you hear me, sir? Loud and clear. Toronto. 
Toronto. Something just happened. Uh-oh. He went out. He was here in a minute. Toronto. Okay, I, I guess he'll come back. Let, let's go in the interim. Let's go to uh, 718 in New York City. 718. W- wait a minute. Hold, hold, hold on one second, 718. Toronto, you're back. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear. Yeah, how are you doing, Mr. Campbell? This is Toronto. How have you been? Well, who is this in Toronto? O.T. Otis. Richmond. Otis. Oh, how's my brother, Otis? Um, have you been in touch with Modibo? Uh, not recently, but I need to talk to you. I wanted to, I have some questions for, to, for you about uh, the current leader in Burkina Faso. Would you compare him to Mutala Muhammad in the... Uh, the great leader of of of, 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 of Nigeria, and he was a he was a military leader, uh, but he was more like uh, the brother in Tohari and uh, Ibrahim Tohari in, in Burkina Faso. Am I correct in saying that? Yes, um, I I think it's early. You know, um, uh, it's early, and we have to pay very close attention. I would urge you to listen to the speech of Ibrahim Tohari when he gave in Russia earlier this year in the Russia-Africa summit. Um, but more important than Ibrahim Turi, who is the head of the army, is a prime minister who is a member of the cabinet of um, Sankara. So the team around Ibrahim Turi, who is a very young young fellow, he's, he's less than 35, I think he's not 40 years old yet, <laughs> but they're veterans from the uh, veterans from the uh, government of of, of of Thomas Sankara. Now, the United States is playing a very delicate game there because the United States is working, trying to ingratiate itself with the military. It has employed some captains there on its side on the team of the IMS security here in the United States of America. So the United States is playing a very delicate game. And what we need to do in Toronto and in um Philadelphia is to continue to monitor the situation and to send messages to the people in Burkina Faso that they must hold France accountable and we must call for France to pay reparations for the stealing of the money of the people of Burkina Faso, Mali, and Niger. And what we are looking forward, and as we speak, I'm sure that they're working towards a monetary system that will unite the three countries, and this would be a great change in Africa. So, yes, um, the, the, the government of Burkina Faso uh, is somewhat similar to Mortala Mohammed, but the reason I don't want to go there, Mortala Mohammed was cut down very early, and we've seen yes, the sir. reversals in, in Nigeria since 1976 when Mertila Mohammed was killed. We don't wish this on this young man. What we wish is that there are more information from radio stations like yours in Toronto and this one to educate people about Thomas Sankara so that they can understand the forces that were at work and are at work. So when they hear about fighting terrorism and Al-Qaeda, they know that these are fabrications. And the last thing I want to say is that we should all go and look at Thomas Sankara's speech uh, well, he may, I think the speech was called uh, uh, Harlem is My Africa or, or something like that. It's uh, it's on YouTube, and I think someone from the All African People's Revolutionary Party, it's, no, Elombe Brath from Harlem introduced him, but there were members of uh, Kwame Ture's organization there. 
and it's on YouTube, Thomas Antara speaking in Harlem. <laughs> thank you for your contribution, as always, sir. All right, thank you, and take care, Horace. Take care. All right. Let's go to 718, <clears throat> 718 New York. Greetings, this is Brother Maurice in New York. Greetings to you, Brother Richard, Brother um, Elliot, and Professor Campbell. Um, I I just want to say it's an honor just to have a chance to talk with Professor Campbell because uh, I saw your interview on uh, Democracy Now! where you you gave a really detailed analysis of what's going on. And I kind of found you after I actually watched the Russian summit, which was in July, the one that you're talking about. And I did listen to the brothers from... um, from uh, uh, um, Africa, breaking stuff down, especially the brother from Mali, his speech. Of course, that's no longer, the, the one that I watch is no longer on, on YouTube because they took it down. But I do want to ask a question, Professor Campbell, because I was reading um, a couple of different articles and stuff, and I think it's important that we point out if we're going to be educated and have an intelligent conversation about what's going on in Africa, what are the resources that we need to be looking at, because... I was looking at some um, articles that were being posted and from the BBC and the other, other other places. Then I went to a couple of spots that uh, I, I know um, uh, one of Brother Elliot's uh, guests had pointed out, and I was able to get a different perspective. But what, I, what, what my question I want to ask about is in terms of what's going on with Russia and the Wagner Group and their impact in uh, these particular countries. As the narrative that's being put out there, as you just talked about, was this whole idea about Al-Qaeda. But now they're saying that Russia is kind of taking over this whole, um, these, these countries and their, and their mindset, and that we, they, uh, we need to be concerned about that. So I just want to um, get your opinion on that. And, and uh, Brother Elliot, I don't know if you, you got a chance to look at the thing I quickly sent you that where, the, you know, they just audited uh, um, Quincy Jones. This whole thing with the U.S. Uh, Department of uh, the U.S. Uh, State Department uh, with that global music uh, diplomacy initiative that they have going on, and uh, how they're using that particular music uh, to go over there and try to influence these young people. And the last thing I'll say before I, I let uh, Professor Cameron respond to my question is that I was what I I did watch was when they were talking about uh, the three countries came together and said, "Well, we're going to fight if y'all." If y'all attack one country, we're going to stick together and fight against y'all. I love to see that the young people in Nigeria stood up when Nigeria started talking that nonsense and stuff. And they, the young people told them, you, we, don't, we don't support that. And I think that that's one of the things, that um, the power of, the, of youth. You know, brother, and, 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 and Tuma used to talk about the, the power of any social movement is young people. And so I was glad to see that. So, again, uh, Professor Campbell can you kind of uh, unmix some of this conversation pertaining to the Wagner Group and Russia's impact in, on these countries? Yes, thank you very much. I want to underline the point you made about France and the United States trying to pressure the Nigerian leadership under Tinubu to get ECOWAS to invade Niger because France was so nervous, and France continues to be very nervous about what's happening. But France has been thrown out of Niger, and the Nigerian youths will be educated, and we we have to keep our links, because there are lots of Nigerian youths who are in this area that is listening to this program. Now, let's say something 
um, and about Russia. Personally, I do not support Russia in Africa because the Russians are opportunist. The, um, the, in the case of Sudan, where the um, Sudanese revolutionaries are fighting, both military factions are supported by an element that is aligned with the Wagner group. So the, the RSF, which is the, 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 the militia forces, they are financed by, by United Arab Emirates and Saudi Arabia and Russia, the Wagner group, and they're looting gold out of, out of, um, out of Sudan. The same thing is going on in Libya, where the, the, the Russians are in alliance with the United States, in alliance with Egypt and the Emirates in supporting the, the Haftar. Now, I want to make a distinction between the Wagner group in those countries and the Wagner group in Burkina Faso, Mali, and Niger, because in these three countries, the people have power. So they can make decisions about the Wagner group based on their own interests. And I can see that in the case of Mali, for example, the people of Mali never had control over their airspace. And France would violate their airspace and do what they want when they were supposed to be fighting against terror. So since they've had resources from Russia and the Wagner Group to control their airspace, France has not been able to violate their airspace. So this is positive. And I believe that the extent to which you can deal with Russia is dependent on the level of support you have with your own people. The example I always use to people is when Africans were fighting for liberation in Southern Africa and the African National Congress and the um, SWAPO and MPLA were supported by Russia, the United States would accuse Africans that they were being supported by communists and the Russians are going to take over Africa if they became free. Well, the Russians and the, the Communist Party of the Soviet Union supported the people in South Africa, and the Russians did not take over South Africa after it was free. So I am not, I have no fear that the Russians and the Wagner group can take over Mali, Burkina Faso. What is important is the alliance and the progressive nature of the government and our alliance with them so that they can build new relations so that they're not entirely dependent on Russian military. In other words, how about if we are in contact with the South African, Angolan, Namibian, and Tanzanians to say, well, you should be supporting those governments against France instead of only depending on Russia. So we have to be more active in these political, diplomatic, and military struggles apart from just being consumers of the news. Mm. Yeah, and, and, and just, just quickly, I, because I was looking at also what's going on with the European Union trying to, to um, come at Elon Musk pertaining to the information that he's allowed to, uh, to be on X, how they're trying to, to um, find him and to shut him down. And I think that this is the thing that we need to know that's very important about young people. Young people don't watch regular television. They watch everything on phone or online, so that's where they get their information from. And so a lot of times, I you know, things that I see, that uh, young people are talking about, especially from the continent, you know, they're trying to make it seem like if that is misinformation and stuff, and we need to shut that information down. But it's, I think it's, it's a powerful tool to um, counter 
this corporate media this, or this global media is putting out the misinformation about what's going on in the continent. So I would also ask you, brother, uh, uh, Professor Cam, excuse me, is, are there um, sites of information that we can go to that you would recommend so that we can kind of get a, a better idea of what's going on instead of listening to this, this corporate media? Or as Elliot to, like to say, to live vision? We have, to, we, have, we have to build them. We, have, we used to have something called Pambazooka, which we're hoping to rebuild. We have the global Pan-African movement in North America, which we have to rebuild. The, the, this requires slow, pedantic work. The overthrow of apartheid and the defeat of the South African army did not come overnight. It took 40 years. It took slow, pedantic work. There is no flash in the pan from the media. It is slow, diplomatic, educational, military, political work that has been done, especially in this time when we have MAGA and the Make America Again forces. We have to do very slow, pedantic, educational work among our teachers, among our students, among our barbers, among our hairdressers, among people who sell in the corner stores. We have to do that kind of work slowly, and we ourselves have to be clear about who we are as human beings so that we cannot stand and walk around as human beings when the Palestinians have been slaughtered and we say nothing about it. (laughs) Brother Maurice, thanks for your contribution and your work, man. Thank you. Talk to you. Uh, Richard, uh, Maurice mentioned about, uh, uh, and I didn't see it, but I'll, I'll, I'll see it, try to look it, uh, to, to see that. He mentioned about some award that the United States would give it Quincy Jones for his work organizing entertainers to go to the continent. That's the first yeah. I heard of it. So. Well, if I'm not mistaken, Richard, as a young man, wasn't he involved in the Jazz Ambassadors? Yeah, I believe. Well, I'm, I'm not sure because I, I just have uh, – Dizzy Gillespie and others, but um, um, you know, so I'll say I'm not sure. Okay, well, let me let me let me go to Arizona. Six oh two, six oh two. yes, brother Elliot and brother Richard, and greetings to the good professor, Professor Campbell. This is brother Marcos here. How about you, sir? I'm doing great, brothers. Oh, um, I want to ask the good professor a, a question pertaining to optics, because we know that in order for the for the white supremacists to rule, they must recruit from the same group of people they are oppressing, and we have noticed now that they have made a shift in um, the giant chair of the chief of staff um, in the U.S., which is that um, gentleman, that Air Force General, Mr. Brown, who is, a, who is an African-American. They also have uh, African-American as a minister of defense, the secretary of defense. Um, and we see now the increase and in the onslaught now on the colored world with a black face projecting this thing. So how does that optics play into the psyche of the colored world when they see a black general and a black secretary of the defense projecting this war here onto people of color and coming soon, probably African people too, because we might see them start going into Africa too. So how does that play into the psyche of the people? Well, I thank you for the question. 
but I want us to be even even handed. In the United States of America, at the present moment, they're facing a number of crises. Mm. The first one is the debt of the United States of trillions and trillions of dollars, and the United States print money, and other peoples do not want to subsidize the United States printing money. Secondly, is the transition in the United States economy from artificial intelligence. Thirdly, is the environmental crisis that we see. Fourthly, the health crisis. Fifthly, the crisis with electric vehicles. So these crises in the United States of America have a tremendous impact on the working classes in America. One of the things we see is that instead of the working classes being organized to fight for their own rights, they're being organized by neo-fascists. These neo-fascists are in the United States military. There is a man called Michael Flynn, who was head of military intelligence under Obama. And there is his brother called Charles Flynn, who was the head of the United States Pacific Command. When there was the, the January the 6th uprising by the neo-fascist forces, the black general, Major General William Walker, who was the head of the D.C. National Guard, he presented a report to the Congress to see General Charles Flynn and General Piat are liars. Now, I want you to pay very close attention to this. Here's a general who is a black general, along with this lieutenant colonel, calling two other white generals liars. What I'm trying to bring to your attention is far apart from what's going on in Africa. Inside the United States of America at the present moment, there's a great tension at the highest level between the black generals. 9% of the U.S. military are black officers, when 43% of the army is black and non-white. So this is something that has to be managed. Now, the United States is very afraid if there's uprising in this country, which side the troops of America will go on? <laughs> and we have to make a decision which side they go on. Mm. I think many of you may not know that when they wrote the 15th Amendment of the Constitution giving black people the right to vote in 1865, 1866, that didn't come about because of congressional fiat. Black troops were in the Union Army march down Pennsylvania Army uh, uh, with their weapons <laughs> to say, we want the right to vote. And then we had for 70 years Jim Crow reversing this. We have to pay close attention to these developments. So yes, we, we know Charles Brown and um, Lord Austin are there, but they themselves are facing racism from people like Michael Flynn and Charles Flynn. So we, we have to do the political work to educate the masses about how Harriet Tubman and and um, Harriet Tubman and Frederick Douglass did the pedantic work at the time of the Civil War to educate black people about what their rights are. So yes, what is our role? We must do the work among our children 
to see that slavery was not something good for us. We must do the work among our children that the police should not be killing black people in the streets. We should do the work that we should not foreclose the homes of black people. We should do the work in our communities about experimenting on black people. We should do the work about having health care in our communities. And our work in educating the black masses is the surest way to ensure that the military and the blacks in the military do not come out on the side of the white racists in this country. I, I know, Professor, you're, you're right, because I did watch an interview with that general leader, that um, Brown, and they were asking him when that uprising took place, um, his son asked him, Dad, what would you do? And you can see the emotional response he had, you know. So, you know, if I was there, you know, I wouldn't put him there. <laughs> so you're correct. Thank you for your analysis. Thank you. Thanks for your contribution, sir, as always. Uh Professor Campbell, can you stay a few more minutes? Um, how many more? <laughs> I'll take two more. <laughs> okay, I was going to take a break, but we'll do it afterwards. Let's go to six six four six six four six. Yes. Um. Good evening, Elliot Richard, into your guest, Professor Campbell. Um. My question is in regards to this situation with France. Have they spoke any at all about? Um, maybe taking military action against these African countries? Of course. On September 11th, as I said, the French president said that he was not going to leave, and they're scheming. They, 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 attempted, they attempted a coup in Burkina Faso. Every day they're scheming. But what I'm saying to you, is that just as though the South African army was defeated at Kutukonavale and Mandel was released, we are at a moment like this in African history. France will never come back in West Africa. I'm telling you this because of the level of mobilization. And in all of the countries, Senegal, Chad, and all of the countries, the youth want to throw at France. In fact, it is the African middle class and the African puppets who are or dependent on France or keeping them there. So we have to intensify the pressure against France and their puppets in Senegal and in, in, in especially Cote d'Ivoire. And I must add that we must raise our voices against the Moroccan occupation of Western Sahara, which is also supported by France. So we in this country, we have a very important role to play by having radio stations such as these by i would urge you to invite the 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 western sahara um polisario diplomat who is in washington to come on this program okay. to talk about moroccan occupation and the the brutal um uh, exploitation of the people of the western sahara and morocco is an ally of france ally of the united states and an ally of israel so no i want to assert very clearly I do not see France coming back anytime soon in Mali, Burkina Faso, or Niger. What I see very clearly is that we want to see them being thrown out of Chad and in Senegal to see the alliance of the Sahelian states spread and so that we can have the foundations for the unification of Africa in the 21st century. Okay, so now 
that there's a strong possibility that France will not come back into those three countries. What happens with the mineral resources that these countries produce? Who will be the individual that that's, will that's, distribute? That, can I finish? Can I just that, finish? That's up Sir, to them. Can I finish? Go ahead. Oh, go, so ahead go ahead. Go ahead. Nothing, nothing is being put in place to be able to distribute the mineral resources that France had control of? No, no, that 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 is what they are working on right now. That in the process of setting up their own currency, because as I said in the in the lead up to this discussion, the French have something called the CFA, which is the the currency that they control the central bank and the reserves of these countries. Now you cannot just cut off your reserves overnight. They have to set up monetary institutions. They have to print a new currency. They have to set up a new central bank. That will take six months to a year. But what I do know is that that process is already going on. So basically what you're saying is that they should be able to move forward without France being able to manipulate their situation of developing the country along with its resources? No question about that. Oh, well, then then that's the, that's the, excuse me, that's the most positive thing in this total action because it's the resources and having control of the resources that will allow them to grow as a country. Most definitely. And I, that is why I'm That's emphasizing true. that the alliance of the Sahelian state is a turning point in the history of Africa. Well, if we can sustain that form of governance, then we should be able to hopefully move forward, be used as an example, and show other African countries that they need to get rid of basically everybody that they have a bad deal with and create better productive deals because if that's the case, then the terms will definitely change and um, they're just going to have to be ready to go to war because once you deal with America on the same level that you deal with France, then you know how they go get down. they they strictly into death. But, well, um, oh, my, my brother, I, I, I don't know how old you are, but I am old enough to remember when people were telling us that black people could never control South Africa and that apartheid could never be defeated. And that happened in 1988. So what I'm saying, I'm old enough to see that. I'm old enough to see the Portuguese being thrown out of Angola, to see the British thrown out of Rhodesia, and the French being thrown out. The process is going to be slow. But what we have to do is to keep up with it and give our support to the people of West Africa and the young people. We're going to have to move on. One more. We're going to have to move on. He got to go. Let me ask you this question right quick. Dr. Campbell, you just spoke about South Africa, right? And apartheid in that situation. Do Africans really control their position in South Africa? Well, at the political and military level, yes, because before 1994, the South African army was bombing Namibia, bombing Zimbabwe, bombing Angola, bombing Mozambique, 
and destroying $80 billion worth of the resource of the region. Of course, the control of the banks, the farms, the mines is a process that have to be developed in South Africa. But yes, there's a qualitative difference in South Africa now from what it was under apartheid. Thanks for your contribution. Thank you. Let's go to one more. 215, 215. Good evening, Brother Good evening, Brother Richard. How y'all doing? Good. That's good. Hi, 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 Professor Campbell. How you doing, my brother? How you doing? Who, is, who am I talking to? Brother Joe from Philadelphia, Professor Campbell. Oh, Brother Joe. I need to talk to you, Professor Campbell. All praises be to Allah. Professor Campbell, I wanted to ask you a quick, quick question. Before I do, i got to be a little facetious here. Now, you mentioned Senator Melendez earlier about how he's trying to undermine our Cuban brothers and sisters. I'm surprised he had time. I thought he was so busy stuffing his pockets with gold bars. I didn't know he had time to do that. He's been doing this for 30 years. He and Torricelli. And on programs such as these, okay. we have to have our brothers and sisters argue that they should lift the embargo on Cuba yeah, and then course. calling Cuba support of state-sponsored terrorism because Cuba supports people fighting for liberation in Africa. We should have every one of your listeners writing to Congress to say Congress should lift this designation of Cuba as a state sponsor of terrorism. We should not just listen to radio stations. We should be proactive. So Menendez and those in the United States Congress and Senate who are creating very, very terrible hardships on the people of Cuba, we need to be much more proactive on that front. Oh, I definitely agree with that, uh, Professor Campbell. And, 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 and Professor, the fact that you speak so strong like you do, you teach at Syracuse. And let me give a quick aside about Syracuse. That's one of the few colleges that I do like. I got a little soft spot because I was dating a young lady, a young beautiful sister went to Syracuse. She, she uh, graduated in broadcast journalism. I was up on a campus, went and visited her back back in the 90s. And it's a beautiful campus up there. I stayed overnight on the campus up there with her one time. Beautiful school and stuff, man. And I'm a big fan of, the, of your basketball team, the Orange Men. So that's We'll talk about that another time, Dr. Professor Campbell. But, yeah, I, I appreciate a, a professor like you, Dr. Campbell, being so well-learned like you are and speaking so strong as a Pan-African, so to speak, and teaching at a, at a prestigious university like uh, Syracuse. It's, it's very refreshing. Now, when you talk about, and I say these two things, I know you're trying to, you know, you, you got to get to your other thing, but I say this real quick, Professor Campbell. When you were talking about people like, you know, these people like the Lloyd Austins of the world, the Langleys, the... Uh, the, 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 what's the sister's name that uh, is head of the Greenfield, that head of the United Nations, whatever. See, a, a caller who's passed, who, who made transition for years ago, he used to always refer to these kind of people as black face. He kept it simple. He said, black face on white power. That's all they are. Black face on white power, you know, and uh, and, I, and I and like I said, I understand what you when you saying about brother market just now about how even among them Negroes they catching racism, you know. What I mean, Cause these white bigots and stuff that they deal with, be the Michael Flynn's of the world, they don't respect them, you know. what I mean, they just they, they might have the same, you know title they have is journal four soft foster journal but when it come down to it they don't respect them as, as men they you know they they they, they, they don't come the n-word to their face they show us how it's said behind their back because they go that's how these white devils think like that when they got that kind of mindset so it don't matter whether they're journal or or, or 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 private that white supremacy mindset reigns and stuff and that's why it's important professor campbell that you point these things out and educate our people because, I mean, we, it, 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 I mean, this, this stuff is deep, man. White supremacy and white genocide, this stuff has got to be exposed. And like you said so clearly, we can't, we, we can't be a black man or a black woman and stuff and not 
feel the pain and struggle of our Palestinian sisters and brothers because the same people that oppress the Palestinians are the same people, whether they call themselves Jews or whether they call themselves, whether they call themselves uh, uh, Italians or, or Greece or Irish, Italians, whatever. These are the same people that do it to our people, so we have to feel a kinship with them. And, and, and lastly, um, Professor Campbell, when you said about the continent, you said how the brothers on the continent love our people, how they say they, they and it's the truth because it's always this narrative of divisiveness is being put out. I said some even here on black radio, you have some ignorant brothers and stuff saying, Man, some Africans they think they better than us, they this and that. And I said that's not true because Professor Lang, Professor Campbell, I went to Ghana and I went to Egypt and in, in, in the summer of 2000, and they loved me over there. They walked me over there. My I sisters and brothers over there gave me hugs and brother, welcome back home and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So, so it's now. So you make sure you can always have some some ignorant in, exceptions. You can always have some sub hating Negroes, whether it be in Africa or in America. You always have exceptions, but the vast majority of our people, like you said, Professor Campbell, they love our people in the continent, man. They want they want to link with our people, man, because they, they they understand the struggle we facing over here to the colonial struggle they face on the continent. So, uh, so I appreciate you. Uh, Professor Campbell making that point clear to our people because we we, we got to stop this falling for that narrative because the white man is all about the Biden cock and we can't let, play that game. We got to continue to link out, link up with our brothers and sisters in the continent, whether they be in Africa or the so-called Middle East, which is Africa too. But you know that's a discussion for another time. We got to continue to link up with our people and, and build these bridges. That's why. And I'm, my last point, Professor Campbell, that's why the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, Muhammad speaks. I always had those pictures of the brothers linking arms and we touching the brothers in Africa and Asia. You know, linking hands with the brothers and sisters around the globe, and that's what we got to think in terms of pan-Africanism and stuff. And like you said, Minister Farrakhan, Brother Malcolm X, Kwame Ture, they both had parents, uh, mothers of African Caribbean descent. And, like, and a lot of people to this day, Professor Campbell, don't even know that, but it's the truth, though. Thank Thanks you, Professor Campbell. Me. It's an honor talking to you, my brother. May Allah continue to bless you and your family. Uh, Elliot and Richard, put me on mute, and now let's the remainder of the show. Thanks for your contribution. Uh, you're welcome. Professor Campbell, thank I want you. to thank you for being with us this evening. Professor, g- give me two minutes on this before you go, because um, you spoke about the uh, the security pact, the Shahel security pact that, that uh, Niger, Mali, and Burkina Faso signed with one another. But the African Union suspended Niger because of the, the coup that happened there. What is there? And you mentioned earlier about puppets in, these, in some of the countries, and I'm quite sure out of the 54 African countries of the African Union, it's some puppets there. So what is your assessment of uh, the suspension of Niger because of the coup that went on and their feelings about the Shahel, uh, the Shahel uh, security pact? I would urge you as a journalist to get some information about the coup in Chad. Good. Okay. And when the coup in Chad took place, the head of the African Union is from Chad, and find out if the Chadian government arrested the family of the head of the African Union for them not to call it a coup d'etat. So one has to see the work of France in the African Union and how that will be diminished, especially with this war that's going on against the people of Palestine. This war against the people of Palestine will have severe repercussions all over North Africa, in Morocco, in Algeria, in Tunisia, in Sudan, and especially Egypt. And we have to pay very close attention. The African Union will be rocked to its core because Israel, that claims that it wants to be an observer at the African Union, they're working with Africans who deny Haiti 
observer status at the African Union. So the, the vigilance of radio stations such as these and raising your voices against Kenyan troops going to Haiti, this requires advanced education. Someone asked me about what to read, what to look for. Just read the, the, the normal media and then read African newspapers. What are African jurists? What did the Kenyan parliament say about sending Kenyan police persons to, 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 to Haiti? The, 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 the Pan-African news wire is alive. We have to use radio stations like yours, the one we have in Toronto, and progressive media and social media to educate ourselves because they, we are at a delicate stage of human beings right now. And we've seen that right before our very eyes unfolding in, um, unfolding in, in Palestine. And we cannot end this program without sending our solidarity to our brothers and sisters who are being slaughtered and the children who are being slaughtered in Palestine, and black people who go to church or in the mosque has to go out and raise their voices in support of the people of Palestine. Professor Campbell, thanks for being with us this evening and spending some time. I hope to get you back on the program soon. And also, I'll be in touch with you to get the diplomat's uh, uh, contact so we can have him on. Okay. You look him up. He's a... Is a, the African is a, is a, is a representative of the um, Pol- Polisario Front. Call up their United Nations office, the Polisario S A D R, the Democratic S A D R. They um, in fact they came to the campus on Tuesday of this week to speak, and they, on Syracuse University they have some very good speakers, and he was speaking about the role of. Of, of the United States and Trump supporting Morocco and how Moroccans have now increased the oppression and increasing in um, putting people into the occupied territory. So you, you have work to do to educate your audience. <laughs> Thank you, sir. And I'll be in touch with you soon. Thanks for your Thank contribution. You. Again now, and thanks. We'll be right back. to Time for an Awakening, Time for an Awakening, with host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. 
before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Escape the digital plantation. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger, run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I, Black Power, A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your global you black family, to join your interconnected you black communities. Escape the digital plantation now. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation. Some of us are not afraid that even though we may be elected, we'll say what's on our mind. But we must understand that we are freedom fighters first, and that all the other things come next. That I'm a black man first, and then a state representative. I don't confuse the two. And I think it's time for us to wake up and realize and understand that you got a lot of us that are willing to go to battle because of freedom will never be free unless we take it. There's too many of us sitting around thinking that it's going to come to us on some damn silver platter. Wake up, you fools, and understand this man has no respect for you. None. None whatsoever. And know that this problem needs to be solved and we can't keep relegating it to generation after generation because a few of us got a little money, a few of us got positions, a few of us have wealth while the masses of our people are going steadily down. No one man can rise above the condition of his people. The brother said responsibility. Is it, is it that we should let them take responsibility to do for us? Or should we pool the knowledge that's at the table, the power that's in our community, the wealth that's in our community to change the harsh reality of black life in America? We have to do the job of fulfilling the black agenda. 
Thank you. of the kinds of victories that were won by the Southern Freedom Movement, uh, black people occupy far more establishment positions than they did back in my day in the, in the 1960s. So in a sense, you also have a struggle with, with, with a kind of black establishment <laughs> that has a vested interest in the status quo. So you're up against a, 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 an establishment within the black community that we never had to face because it didn't exist <laughs> because of segregation and discrimination. And that makes their task, if they want to organize, much, much more difficult with respect to the black community than what we had to face. Today our people can see that we're faced with a government conspiracy. This government has failed us. The senators who are filibustering concerning your and my rights, that's the government. Don't say it, Southern senators, this is the government. This is a government filibuster. It's not a segregationist filibuster. It's a government filibuster. Any kind of activity that takes place on the floor of the Congress or the Senate, that's the government. But this government has failed us. The government itself has failed us. And the white liberals who have been posing as our friends have failed us. And once we see that all these other sources to which we've turned have failed, we stop turning to them and turn to ourselves. We need a self-help program. proud part of the Black Talk Radio Network, the number one independent black digital and podcasting platform. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. Uh, I want to thank our guest that was with us this evening, <laughs> author and international peace and justice scholar, professor of African American studies and political science at Syracuse, Professor Horace Campbell. Richard, interesting program yes. with Professor Campbell, interesting insights. A lot of information that uh, that we didn't know, and I'm quite sure our listening audience, uh, I don't want to presume, but they might not have known. But uh, either way, it was an interesting program. Yeah. And, and Elliot, I have to be, I hate to be one of those, you know, uh, and I do hate hate these kind of people who, like, when, when um, someone mentions something, they say, oh, I got that. Well, I have to say, I do have the global... NATO and the catastrophe of failure in Libya. I haven't got to it yet. Yeah, well, I, I'm not. I'm not surprised, Richard. You know, but it's it's what I I re, it's two elements in 
um, with Professor Campbell and his clarity. Uh, three, um, Pan-Africanism is alive and well. We don't, I have to say, in this moment, uh, you know, I would not have known if just by the people that is around me, the messages that are around me right now. And I'm glad to hear that on the continent, and when you gave those age numbers, amongst the thinking of in those particular nation states specifically, that that type of thinking is alive and well. And when we say about, I will need it to be clear, it's not a romantic um, vision. It's it's a political, a geopolitical understanding of their relationship in the world and what has to take place. And, and, and it is not something just by snapping your fingers or saying something that they understand that. And we heard, what did he say? The... The person who's around the um, the political um, leader in Burkina Faso is uh, 35, 40 years old, yeah. who was with Thomas Sankara. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I mean, like, I don't know if people are listening. That's that's powerful, but that's one. That Pan-African is alive and well. And that it's on us, especially us in North America, in order to be able to listen to not just what's presented in front of us that only gives us a negative connotation of, of what is going on in the African world or with us. Cause I think that he's emphasizing that. And the third is that for us, we, if we want to be as he ended, just like in being of other people, African Americans um, in the past um, have to be uh, supportive of the Palestinian people and the death and destruction is being placed upon that while we as Americans in an American empire government, we're here, have to be able to raise our voices that that's unfair as we have to be watchful of what's going on in the continent. As others are saying, when you're talking about power dynamics, what could take place? If we sit in silence in here, in this here empire, and do nothing but say what can happen because, and we're an instrument, a, a critical element. I mean, we're, we're the largest ethnic population in the political system in America. And if our voice is just to be silent or make critique about what others can't do because others are more powerful, then we're so much complicit. And I, I just felt like I needed to. That's what I heard his message was, that we need to be active in those three areas. Richard, uh, maybe about six months or eight months ago, when we had uh, Professor Agundrian on from Duke University, mm-hmm. um, he mentioned the same thing that mm-hmm. that uh, Professor Campbell mentioned. You know, because he, he, he taught on the continent and he's teaching over here at Duke. But he said about the same thing about the, the Pan-African mindset of the overwhelming Pan-African mindset of the youth there. You remember when right. he said it, Richard, on the program? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so the, these things, Richard, uh, see, th- that's why we see the, 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 the propaganda going on now and the use of blacks of influence, uh, whether they're political influence or black stars or black movie stars or black 
uh, performing artists, uh, uh, the use of them to give a different narrative, not only of the black here in America, but to go internationally or go up, especially to the continent and give a, uh, uh, capitalist Western view of a black person here. That's not the overwhelming view of blacks here in America. Right. But I mean, yeah. it's something that we can do about that because just like you said, the, the statement that you made about support of a people that's being oppressed by the same Western entities that have oppressed us. Mm-hmm. You know, the, 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 the kind of ironic thing is some blacks here in power say that the, the, Western, uh, the, the Western influence there, the white influence that happened to be of a religious persuasion is supposed to be a friend of black people. Mm-hmm. So you see overwhelming evidence of blacks in every major city, and and it happened here. You you told me about it happened here. Uh, a proclamation given out by Black City Council that mm-hmm. they support Israel. Mm-hmm. It happened in New York. Adams and them having a symposium, uh, not a symposium, a uh, 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 some type of thing in showing solidarity for Israel. CBC members across the board. I mean, w- w- what is this? But let me read this because I want to share this with uh, Professor Campbell to get his insight on it. But I'll just share it with listening audience. It was in uh, September in the Al Jazeera. And it states here, uh, the header says African coup epidemic has democracy failed the continent. Uh, And it says support for military takeovers is growing across the African continent and civilian governments are responsible for that slide, says analysts. Now, let me, I'm going to just read a couple paragraphs here, Richard. It says, a vast majority of people from 34 African countries polled by the independent political survey outfit Afrobarometer in September of 2022 said that they believe regularly, regular, honest, and open elections were the best curator for their interests. But only 44% said that elections help voters move leaders who don't do what the people want. In 19 countries polled regularly since 2008-2009, sentiments against elections as enablers of change has risen 16%. Overall, support for elections have dropped in 26 of 30 African countries surveyed between 2011 and 2021. This includes Sudan, Mali, Burkina Faso, and Niger, countries that have seen coups in the last three years. But even in a country like South Africa, which has a consistent, largely free and fair election uh, since the end of apartheid, the support for elections has dropped 20% over the past decade. According to Jonathan Ocheo, a political analyst and lecturer at Ghana University, of Cape Coast, citizens in main, uh, main the countries are not seeing dividends from the democracy. That is the key reason, he says. That's why coup makers seem to enjoy this kind of support. Corruption, uh, human rights abuses, and, and militarism of civilian politics with armored cars and boots on the ground used to quell civilian protests have long blighted the democratic process on the continent. In Senegal and Ghana, 
Soldiers uh, have taken deadly measures in response to political unrest. Distrust of the political elite across the continent is growing and increasingly. And it's showing up in uh, the form of active support for coups. So, Richard, we see here that uh, not only on the continent, where the people distrust the political system, but it's the same thing here. But here's the similarity, Richard, and the commonality. The distrust of the political system is elected officials who look like them that, mm-hmm. are, that are in these positions basically facilitating Western uh, uh, domination, uh, mm-hmm. Western control, and doing the bid, bidding of Western governments, be it the United States, France, whoever. Mm-hmm. That's where the people, that's the disconnect. That's why the people are distrusting of the election process and fair elections, because these people have been voted in office. But now you see in those countries where they're using sometimes physical force to eliminate these people. Mm-hmm. And there's victories happening there, just like Professor Campbell was trying to point out. A lot of our people are under the impression, and you hear it all the time here in the United States, oh, you can't do nothing. This man is so great. He got weapons. He got this. He's so great. You hear the talk, Richard. Mm-hmm. But you heard Professor Campbell talking about the victories of our people to eliminate these people from their society. And it don't come overnight. It's a process. You got to work. You got to stay in, you got to stay, you got to stay informed. Um, if you're not a part of that work and you got to be able to hear, the, hear it the right way, because what you just read, Elliot, if we didn't have a different perspective, the way they positioned it, they would make the ones who were getting voted in was the good guys. Yes. And, and, and if you don't educate yourself on these issues, you don't know. And you come off, uh, you know, half prepared. That's why it's a blessing, Richard, to be able to not only to reach out to these men and women that are struggling and, and that are in these different areas, whether they're are journalists, whether they're educators, whether they're activists, to have these people on, to talk about what they're doing. Not talk about ideas of what we should be. They talk about what they're doing. That's the key to me. Because everybody can get on here and just talk about well, what, what, what black people should be doing. But they're not necessarily doing anything. Mm-hmm. But the people that we bring on and try to highlight is people that are doing things, that are making a difference. To me, that's what's key. Powerful. It's powerful. Let me... Um, it's a couple of things too I want to share before um, before I go off because a uh, brother Siddiqui up there in Boston with the Nubian Leadership Circle sent me a uh, communication there in reference to uh, uh, the uh, summit from uh, last weekend, mm-hmm. and also <laughs> Charles Byron sent me um, and I played it for the listening audience and I'm gonna play it again. Uh, Operation Power up there in New York had a um, question and answer with uh, Conrad, uh, Conrad uh, with, uh, oh my goodness, how I get a, 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 a moment there, Richard, um, Cornell West, I'm sorry. Um, and I played it in, in uh, on the Friday uh, slot when we usually come on. I played it for the listening audience. Any of the uh, people that tuned in, they heard that. But I'm going to 
I tend to play it again um, so people can hear it. But he sent me a, um, a statement that he made in New York City Council. And uh, expectedly, the New York Post trashed him in reference to it and called him all types of names. But it, that, that doesn't stop him because he, he's a man. Just like uh, Dr. King said in that speech he gave four months before he was assassinated. He said, don't let anybody take your manhood. Mm-hmm. Let me play this, Richard. Finally, the Palestinian issue. I am 1,000% pro-Palestinian, free Palestine. This is not an unprovoked war. Since 75 years, the Balfour Declaration, they killed Palestinians to take their land. The Nakba, 700, 800,000, their children, their babies were killed to establish the state of Israel. In 2014, 1,500 Palestinians killed, 509 children. Heard nothing from any of you. A Palestinian Mm. baby's life is just as viable as an Israeli baby of life. So I say free Palestine, and you watch. This is going to turn around when people find the truth. Thank you, Council Member. Thank you. (laughs) Richard, you know, listen. Charles Byrne don't bite his tongue. He'll mm-hmm. in any of these meetings uh, in their halls of, of uh, legislation, he's going to stand up and make statements. And not only make statements, his operation power that's in East New York is doing the work. So uh, I just wanted to share that uh, that clip that the that the uh, that was in that New York Post in reference to what he said the other day. Mm. Um, yes, yes. And, two, and I want to re- read uh, uh, Brother Stadiki's uh, statement here. Richard, you know, when, let me go back. Uh, when um, Professor Campbell was talking about uh, Burkina Faso, and I went on there and talked about the, because I was kind of shocked. Because it, it said that the overall median age of the continent, you remember, Richard, when uh, uh Kamala Harris and then went over there that it was 25. You remember that, Richard? Right, right. Well, but when, you know, this particular site kind of breaks down the different countries there and what the median age is. And I was shocked that the that Niger has the lowest median age of any nation in the world. And they have a population, according to this, of over 30 million. But it's 14.8, well, I'll round it off, 15 years old. Mm. But let me read some of the other ones that they have listed here. Uganda, 15.7. Angola, 15.9. Mali, 16. Chad, 16. The Democratic Republic of Congo, 17. Uh, Mali, 17. Zambia, 17 years old. Mozambique, 17. Benin, 17. Burundi, 18. And Burkina Faso, 18. Look at these countries, Richard. And the, and the fertile minds of the youth that's there. And that's the point. That is, that is the point, isn't it? That the mind is fertile and, you know, with 
and the right right kind of information and the right kind of vision um what they could what they will do um especially as um with Dr. Campbell in this particular moment because in this particular moment uh if it isn't happening here it sounds like it seemed like and you could see you could see the rallies in those different countries especially the francophone countries are where those young people you know forget the military leaders who are young you know the people around them who are the diplomats and whatever who are also young but the young people themselves um being in support of that means that their the information they're passing on to themselves is liberating is is energizing mm-hmm. and you can only kind of equate that now or you know for those who you know is the same as those young people during the civil rights era or the young people during the black power era those were young people and look what they were able to do yeah yeah <laughs> But I, I want to read this in closing, Richard. Uh, in fact, a couple of others because uh, uh, Brother Obig Bona, you know, who's always uh, out there active on, on a lot of different fronts. He wears a lot of different hats. Uh, Sometimes I don't see how he gets the time. But uh, he sent me a uh, communication about the uh, the proclamation to have uh, Cuba taken off that uh, uh, the sanctions. Uh, mm. Taken down from Cuba, and it is also it was also in conjunction with the seventy fifth birthday of Osada Shakur, and they want her removed from that uh, FBI uh, ten most wanted list. Um, it was a uh, meeting in relation to that today. I didn't get the chance to uh, uh, kind of get involved in it, but I'm getting more information from him so I can pass it along, or eventually he'll be back on here. But I want to get some information from him if it's, it's necessary for our people to know it immediately to pass along to the listening audience. Um, let me read this uh, from uh, Brother Siddiqui and the Nubian Leadership Circle. Uh, greetings, uh, Nubian Leadership Circle members and supporters. A very well-organized production and productive, excuse me, Nubian Leadership Circle-sponsored National Black Leadership Summit Number 9 was convened on October the 14th. 2023, with closing remarks being made by Minister Louis Farrakhan. The Nubian Leadership Circle cadre breakout sessions were held uh, with a great deal of high energy and an emphasis on participation and recruitment, and mostly and importantly, task description, uh, strategy, and movement towards completion. Now we continue to move forward with our mission of building a nation, black nation building intact and working towards achieving our building block goals and objectives. We are still in our mission-based mode of uh, newness fueled by fluid optimism in our moving forwardness. Critical is our black community's commitment to the process, uh, and you are invited to join us in our mostly uh, excuse me, you are invited to jo- I'm sorry about that uh, lost my place here um, we are still in the mission based mode of newness and fueled by optimism and are moving forward 
Critical is the black community's commitment to the process, and you're invited uh, to join us in this increasingly important important work endeavor. All interested can keep up to date with the Nubian Leadership Circle organization, work process, and possible participation by logging into the weekly Zoom update sessions every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. You can easily access the sessions via the, uh, the enclosed links, and I'll put them on the website, uh, which is uh, org, and the national phone number is 202-922-6527. Again, that's from the Nubian Leadership Circle and the convenient the convener, Brother Siddiqui Kamban. Again, that contact number is 202-922-6527. So, Richard, uh, everything went well, and eventually I'm going to get the uh, because we all have, we always have Brother Siddiqui on. But I want to get to some of the uh, the cadre uh, representatives on to kind of talk about, uh, you know, what they're doing and from their perspective. Because you know, he, he said the uh, uh, what did he say that the age limit barriers? What did he say? Fifteen, Richard? Yeah. So it, it's a lot of young people involved up there. So uh, you know, to kind of get them get them to talking about the, how they feel on these different issues and why they join the different cadres and what they expect to accomplish by doing it. Yeah. Uh, before we leave this evening, uh, just uh, talk about the lineup on time for an Awakening Media. That's Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, African Perspectives with Brother Oshi. Always interesting topics and dialogue on African Perspectives. That's Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Later on in the week, Mississippi on the move. Brother Patrick Lumumba and the Black Liberation Movement in Mississippi from 7 to 8 on Thursdays. On Fridays, time for an awakening from 8 until. On Saturdays, the elders of Sankofa, Dr. Janine James is host from 7 to 9. And on Sunday, time for an awakening is back from 7 until. I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion as always. And we'll be back on Friday, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. Peace. If you're driving through the country on a lazy afternoon Or you're watching your children playing after school
Thank you. 